Hello, and welcome to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. I'm Ryan Purvis, your host, supported by our producer, Heather Bicknell. In this series, you'll hear stories and opinions from experts in the field, stories from the front lines, the problems they face and how they solve them, the areas they're focused on from technology, people and processes, to the approaches they took that will help you to get to the scripts for the Digital Workspace inner workings. Yeah. I'm sure yours is starting to be. Well, not yet. Not quite yet. <laughs> Blissfully, uh, you know, besides looking at the email tally, but that is what it is. Yeah, it's something that um, I always, always recognized when I when I did my trips to the US after working in, you know, in Europe or central time zone, how your, your day starts differently. Because when you're in the middle, like we are, you've got Asia that's ahead of you. So whatever they're dealing with, you get. And then when America comes online, you've got whatever America wants to know. So you're always, always squashed. But when I used to do the trip, and then, I, you know, we always used to work these long hours and, and you know, get an early morning and leave late at night. And, or late-ish at least. And when I used to go to the US, I used to be surprised. Like, guys at five o'clock would be knocking off. And I'd be like, but where are you guys going? I'm like, no, the day's done. I'm like, yeah, this probably is because you are behind everyone. A lot gets done before you get there. And then there's no one really at the end of your day to keep you going longer because you're at the end of the day. So it was a much more, much more relaxed lifestyle I found compared to, to be in the middle. Mm, interesting. That is an interesting observation. I would say <laughs> I haven't always found that to be the case, but I'm sure it depends on the organizational culture and whatnot. I feel like Americans do, I mean, depending, but do work really long hours. Yeah, well, so, so, let me, so, so what I'm saying is your, your, your end of the day is not driven by someone else. It's driven That's by true. you work late. So, yeah. so my, my working late usually in London would have been, or even in, when I'm in South Africa, is because someone in the US wants to talk about something. And yeah. the only time they could find something in my diary would be in the evening. Um, whereas when I'm in the US, there's no one after me, unless I was up at midnight, then Asia would get me. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you, you, do have a, you do have a natural break. Um, yeah, you don't have as many late meetings unless it's really late and you're trying to meet with Australia or, you know, Asia Pacific, which I've done mm. a few times too. So yeah, time zones are tough to bridge. I think that relates to our topic today. Um, but before we get into that, I wanted to ask how, if you have a Mac update, um, if anything new is there now that you've had it for longer. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll probably start with my windows update. Um, so I tried to reinstall my Windows device because I thought I'll get I'll just, at least now that I've got another machine I'll try to clean it up, and it crashed the whole way through. Um, in the end, I had to get a new image down and reinstall it from a USB stick, um, and that seems to have made the difference. So I might have had a very sick puppy, which is probably why I had so many issues. But on on the Mac front, I mean, I'm just loving it. Just it just makes my life easy. Um, and we had a power failure last night and I plugged in all my devices to my Mac and my Mac, my Mac charged all my other devices. So it just, it just works everywhere. 
Um, the only thing that I haven't found yet, which I need to find a solution for, is Microsoft Project, because there isn't an app for that. Well, there's not a Microsoft app for that, so I need to find a third party. But other than that, um, I am finding little things that, I, that I've gotten used to that I'm going to have to change. Uh, so my, I've got this, this ergonomic trackball. That doesn't work so well with swiping left and right with the gestures. And I kind of like the gestures because sometimes what I do now is I just go walk, work downstairs on my dining room table and with just the Mac. And I, you get used to the gestures of switching between full screens, but you can't do that with, with these these Windows-based devices, the keyboard and the mouse. So I'm going to have to invest. So I'm definitely in the in the ecosystem now. You know, it's pulling me into buying all the gadgets. But um, But I love it. It works, makes my life easier, which is what these things should do. Absolutely. And did you get, I can't remember, do you get just the regular gray or did you go with one of the color options? Uh, I went to a space gray, but I bought my wife the rose colored one, which I must admit I've got a bit of envy on because it does just look cool. Yeah. It's it's different. But uh, see, the space gray goes with my pet because my pet's space gray. So they all, you know. I didn't like the silver. I looked at the silver for like for a long time. I was like, I really don't like the silver. Um, so yeah, good stuff. Um, glad that's going well. I'm jealous still. <laughs> <laughs> still kicking around with my old uh, MacBook Air, but it's it's well, essentially it, it, I use it for like a tablet type stuff so it's perfectly fine well that's and that's what um, someone else said to me he said you know he really uses his Mac for browsing the web because it's great for that I was like yeah I get that but but you know I listened to another podcast called the automators and a lot of the stuff they do automation wise is based on having a Mac device so using stuff like drafts and and hazel and that so now i've been able to play with those things which i've never played with before and that's also making my life a lot easier so it's like moving files from one place to another place that's like an automatic rule now um and drafts which i use on my ipad now i'm using on my mac as well that's great because that's quick and easy to just take notes on something um so it's those little things that that have probably held me back for a while it probably costs you five minutes you know, every hour. Um, but I'm seeing that productivity gain now because I, I don't have to now figure out a way to get my device from my mobile device to put the stuff into my Windows device. It's now just all synchronized. Um, and the synchronization just works. You know, I haven't had one one problem yet, touch wood. Um, so yeah, so one day when you upgrade, you'll see what I mean. Yeah, one day. Um, well, I guess that... Uh, smoothness of, of experience and um, reliance of technology relates to uh, the mini series sort of that we wanted to kick off today on mm-hmm. digital nomads. So, yeah, really excited to dig into this topic more. Uh, and I think it's definitely something that, you know, I think coming out of um you know, all of the remote working around the pandemic, people are kind of realizing that uh, in a lot of cases, there are lifestyle changes they can make. And one of them is potentially becoming a digital nomad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I and mean, we're seeing it even, um, we saw it a bit in the UK and, and we're seeing it here as well. People are, are no longer 
So, so, so I'll give a, a maybe context of this. So, in in the UK, London is seen as the the centre of of most things. Now, you you do have um, Liverpool, Manchester, um, which which are also major cities, and and that's where where a lot of businesses are putting their offices now in, into Manchester and Liverpool. Um, but what what you're seeing is that if you wanted to do business or have a good salary, you're going to be London-based because you get like a twenty percent bump on your numbers. Um, and typically, most of the banks and all that are, are situated in in various parts of of the square mile. Um, now, in the same token, South Africa, Johannesburg is where most of that happens, and and Santon is the area that, that that where most of the businesses are, most of the head offices. But there's you know there's pockets like everywhere else in the world. There's always pockets of business centres. The interesting thing about that is that people typically prior to the pandemic were buying houses to be as close as they could be to where they where their jobs were. So they were buying um, obviously in, in Sandton or nearby or in, and in London you'd be inside the, the zones the M, M, within the M25 to be close to, to work, to commute. Because the further out you go, obviously the longer it takes. And there's always been this sort of ratio where the train ticket that you're paying for versus the mortgage you're paying or the rent you're paying kind of works if you add them together always kind of is the same number so the further out you go it might cost you less to live but it costs you more to travel and and vice versa um what we're seeing now is people that were were trying to be close to work or those cbds uh, central business districts are now saying well i don't have to be in the office every day so i'm going to buy the house that i want to have for a lifestyle and I'll commute for work when I have to, the one or two days a week or even three days a week. So now instead of buying houses in Joburg, people are buying jo- buying houses in the, in the coast, at the coast. So Durban, Cape Town, Port Elizabeth, Mossel Bay, all these wonderful places, all these pretty places because they're all pretty. They've got beautiful landscapes and nature and all that sort of stuff. And because of fiber, they're basing themselves wherever they need to be and they're commuting up or planning to commute up as and when they require. And a lot of the businesses are shutting down offices that, that they had and they're consolidating them into bigger hubs. And I'm, and I'm saying a lot, you know, there's a few that I've chatted to. Um, and what I saw in the UK was something similar where when the first um, lockdown kicked in, there was a surge, and I think it happened in New York as well. There was a surge of people buying buying houses or moving out of the cities into the suburbs. Um, so they had space and, and they felt more secure because they were obviously going to be socially distancing naturally because they were big houses that were separated from other houses. Um, so that kind of ties into this concept of the digital nomad, um, which is you don't have to now be holding to this anchor that is the that is the office block that you for the for the business you're working. You can have a a more flexible lifestyle. Yeah, I think there are kind of many flavors of digital nomad. I think the one sort of the most popular, you know, Instagram worthy version is the millennial who's globe trotting, um, which is a backpack and a, a MacBook. Um, and visiting all these tropical locations and working from the beach. Um, but I think the, yeah, the phenomenon you're describing, um, is, you know, is, is related to this. I think, yeah, I mean, why not, uh, lower your costs of living, you know, live in a, a bigger place or, you know, in a more desirable location, um, and then suffer 
you know, a longer commute when you have to go, if you have to go when and if you have to go back um, a few days a week. I mean, that's sort of the whole one of the benefits of the hybrid model. Now, I guess where my fear comes in, if I were one of those folks, is just um, do I trust my company to kind of keep that model or, you know, if I change my job, uh, well, uh, you know, then you have to kind of take that as a consideration when you're looking for new employment, that you need that kind of flexibility. But, you know, so there are drawbacks and, and positives. Yeah, and, 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 and I'll be honest, I mean, I, you know, I've been very fortunate with with my current role that that we during the pandemic basically gave up our office. And when we came out to South Africa, the UK was in a worse state than than South Africa was and probably still is. Um, so so I was you know pretty lucky that that or fortunate or whatever you want to phrase it, that there was an acceptance that didn't matter where I was, whether I was in the UK or here, I would still only be seeing people remotely. Um, now that things are starting to open up, it maybe creates a bit more pressure for us to be back in the UK, not necessarily for any other need than to do face-to-face -face workshops every so often. But if we didn't have a quarantine, I'd probably be able to just fly back, do the week in, in Manchester where we want to meet and fly back to Joburg mm. because, you know, that's, that's no different almost in a sense to me traveling to Horsham, to, to Manchester and back. It'd be the same thing because my base operations is Horsham, not Manchester. Um, but I, what I have seen, you know, prior to the pandemic and probably still going on is a lot of those people that live the nomadic lifestyle or digital nomads are in, in, independent contributors. So they are software developers that, that work on contract. Um, one of the women I went to school with, or university with at least, um, she writes on a medium um, sort of series and, and she manages her work while she travels. Um, another friend of ours, she, during the lockdown, went to spend three months in Italy and now she's spending three months in Cape Town. Um, rented out the house that she's in, that she lives in, and she's decided to work remotely. Where it gets tricky, though, is when you're employed in a job. How do you get taxed? Mm -hmm. um, whereas when you're independent, independent, independent consultant, you get paid, and you're basically invoicing for a service. So you can play that however you want, really, because you can invoice from whichever country you're in, um, or to a. Um, you know, you can you can move around, I suppose, to avoid paying tax or paying a very little, a small amount. Um, all depends on on how you set things up. Not the yeah. tax show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there's a lot of legal stuff we probably won't get into very uh, with much depth. But um, you know, when I was researching this topic, those sort of considerations came up a lot. I mean, even things, you know, besides just legal, like safety or wellness things like, um, you know, health insurance, different, you know, insurances to protect yourself, um, visas, uh, the legality of, yeah, where your money's flowing, taxes, mm. all of that is, can be very complex. And often people are operating in these gray areas where, you know, they're, they're on travel visas, and but they're earning income, which uh, they're not, you know, is technically illegal, at least in, in some countries in the, you know, from the U.S. That would not be technically legal, but um, it kind of gets, uh, you know, not um, enforced too heavily a lot of the time, which allows people to keep doing it. Uh, but there are countries now that are starting to create programs to actually encourage digital nomads to 
um, create this like more formal uh, legal pipeline. Like Estonia has a digital nomad visa program. Um, oh, really? that they're kicking off. Yeah. And there are a few other countries that are, are doing that to try to make it easier and encourage people to come live and travel uh, in the country. Yeah. I'll be honest. I mean, for me, I mean, these are the, you know, the, the inter-country thing is, is the complicated version, but I, but I even go down to the simpler version of, you know, in, in the business that you're working in, either you're working as a, as a, as I say, independent contributor or you're employed. Um, if you choose to work in a coffee shop today and the technology provides you the capability to do that, let's say you, you have to write a document or, or you're meeting with some people and you want to brainstorm in the coffee shop and you may have to do some calls there. That's still, a, that's still a nomadic lifestyle because you're not necessarily commuting um, into an office every day. You just go to meet at the local coffee shop with, with three people you need to meet with, or you want to work there because it's more comfortable than your, than your home office or even your office that you, that you have in the, in, in, in the, in the business. Um, you know, that's still a nomadic way of working. Uh, and it's a simple way of doing it because there are days where you just, you know, to, to walk into your office, your study every day. And if, you know, if you're lucky to have one, you might say, you know, I actually feel like going to that coffee shop where I can get a cappuccino with cream. I can sit there. I can think about what I got to do. I can write some stuff or whatever it is. And then you can take calls. If you sit in the right position where it's not noisy, you could probably take, take calls the whole day. Um, and I used to do that at varsity. I used to go and study in coffee shops and, not the library because and people used to say I was mad, but I, I found the library was too quiet. Whereas the noisy coffee shop was a great background noise for me to focus. Um, and I think that's just, you know, a little bit more personal, personalized working environment as opposed to a mandated working environment. Mm -hmm. And is, is varsity university? Yes. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Uh, all the different terms. No. Yeah. I almost think we need a new term for, um, that kind of digital nomad. You know, there are, there's an emerging slow mad trends and slow mads are people who don't travel as quickly essentially. So they'll spend sort of longer stays in each country instead of just a matter of weeks. Um, but yeah, I like it. kind of a digital nomad light or um, much, much safer sort of option, but still getting a lot of the refreshing qualities, I think, of working from different places to still, um, of course, there's a lot to be said about, you know, the excitement of traveling and and doing all of that while you work, um, because a lot of people don't have time to do that otherwise. Uh, but there's, um, you know, then you can't really, um, do a whole lot of other things as well that would require you to have a home base. So, um, yeah, there, there yeah. are definitely trade-offs and, and, you know, for me, when I st with this, you know, prior to having a, a family and the rest of it, you know, mm -hmm. spending a week or two weeks somewhere, you know, be it Kuwait or Dubai or Saudi or Cameroon or wherever these places were, you know, it wasn't such a big deal to be out of the, out of my, my home base. Um, because one, you know, I was working on something Two, you're exploring a new place and you, and you, and you're seeing their culture, which I always found fascinating. Um, but, but also you, three, you don't get those opportunities always because if, if you're paying for it, then you've got to always, you know, 
balance where you want to go versus what you can afford. Whereas when you're on the company tab, you know, it's a little bit easier to go and spend five days in a hotel and and see customers every day and all that kind of stuff. Um, with, the, with the family, a lot more difficult, clearly. Um, we were talking about yesterday at breakfast how we've got a friend who's going to Mozambique for two days and she's got a, a PA that, that just thinks of it as a party, you know, going there to the beach, you know, you're going to go work during the day and you go to the beach at night. And she's like, no, I'm leaving my kids at home. I don't want to leave my kid at home. I want to, I want to be a stay at home and work, you know, be with my family. So, so two different mindsets there. Mm. Um, and I think that's, that's a part of it too, is, is what do you want to get out of What's your purpose and what's your results from those from that purpose? Mm. So with, um, you know, going from the UK to South Africa and the uh, different sort of work arrangements you've had this year, would you consider yourself a digital nomad? Yeah, um, I think I've always been a bit of a nomad in that sense. So, I mean, I go back to to varsity or even not necessarily high school, but, um, you know, I used to work while I was studying. So I'd have to be at, you know, I'd be at university going to lectures and then in, in, in the gaps I'd be doing work. Um, and, and I think the biggest stress then, and it's still the biggest stress now is connectivity. Um, you know, can I connect in to do what I need to do when I need to do it? Um, a second factor is quietness if you're going to do calls and stuff like that, usually get away with that sort of stuff. Um, but as, as my career has progressed, I've always had this sort of flexible working, integrated working, whatever you want to use as a, as a phrase, um, which has meant that I've had to be comfortable, which I've always been comfortable being to work wherever I am. Um, in fact, it's probably more of a challenge to not be working. Um, because you, you get very used to anywhere you go, just taking a laptop with and, you know, oh, I'll just join a call quickly because I've got the time. Uh, how can I help you guys? You know, that kind of thing, which is which is not always conducive because you don't take a break. Um, but as we've gone, you know, from from a career to career, what I've where I've struggled personally is, you know, going into these corporates where you've got to be in the office five days a week, um, you know, nine to five, whatever the shift work is. And, you know, even the, the concept of going down to the coffee shop with a notepad to make notes, some people look at you strangely like you should be at your desk all day. Um, and that's, uh, you know, that's the mentality I've always struggled with. Whereas I, I always feel like the results and the output should matter more than the, the, the time at a desk. Um, so, yeah, so to, to answer your question, doing this one in, in, in South Africa has been Definitely a nomadic experience because I've done it with the family, so I haven't had to worry about getting back to to the UK. They've been with me. Um, you know, we've done trips down to Cape Town to Durban. I've taken my my laptop with me most times, um, and I, we could quite easily just sat there and I could have carried on working because all I really need is a laptop and, and a headset um, to to get my my job done. So, you know, with with the kids and and the wife. If I'm working, they just need to be entertained. Um, and if we're going to do, you know, if we're doing a, a resort or something like that, that's pretty easy to do because it's a kids club or whatever it is. Um, and then you have this benefit of you work the whole day. And, I've, and we've done it in a few countries. I mean, we did it in Croatia a couple of years ago where I would work in the mornings. Um, my wife would take the kid, my son out. They'd go walk on the beach and do all that stuff in the morning while I do my calls and, and whatever it is. I'd work three, you know, three, four hours. Then we'd go and do some touring. Um, I might do some some work in the evening, like sort of five to five to six, 
I'd just catch up with some stuff. Then we'd go out for dinner somewhere, then put the kids to bed. And then if there was still a need for me to do something, I'd work that night. And I'd still put in a full day. Uh, but now I've, I've done that in a new place where I've never been before. We've done some touring, so I've explored some stuff. Um, so, I, you know, you get that benefit of, of working, but you also get the benefit of exploring. Um, so in the end, you don't feel, oh, I found at least, you don't feel so, it's so monotonous. Um, you're stimulated the whole way through. And then when you go to bed, you're exhausted because you've just, you've done so much in a day. Yeah, I think that's a, you know, it can be a good model if you're, you know, if your job situation allows it. I think the one challenge that comes with sort of being, uh, you know, being working for an employer is that you still need to operate on their time zone, at least, you know, plus or minus a little bit. So, um, you know, people were saying that's why I think a lot of digital nomads tend to be freelancers, entrepreneurs, people mm -hmm. who can, you know, set their own time because um, it's all well and good to be uh, on the other side of the world. But if, you know, the nighttime time where you'd be having the most fun there is the time where you need to be working because of the time zone that your company's in, it kind of uh, is a bit of a drag. Yeah, and, and, uh, and I had that. I mean, we, we did a trip to LA um, 20... I want to say 2014. Yeah, 2014. And we were rolling out a big project at the same time. And because of the time zone difference, I think it was nine hours or eight hours difference. Um, there was no way that I could work with the UK. And I think we had guys in, in Singapore working, so it was even worse. So what would happen is I would basically check my mail in the morning in, in LA, uh, maybe spend an hour or two going through that and, and, and sort of kicking off more work or applying to work and then go out the whole day, come back at the end of the evening, check what's happened, check again in case there was anything that happened, go to sleep, wake up and get a reply to all the emails from the day before. So you had this constant, like you're completely disconnected, which in some senses was really nice because you weren't involved in the operational throes of everything. Um, and you could actually just take, take a, a, a sort of a situational look at it and go, okay, this is what we discussed. This is where we are now. Here's what I suggest you do. And then they would come online while you're sleeping, pick up what you're doing and then carry on. And we, you know, there was no major emergency. So there wasn't any three o'clock in the morning phone calls. Um, but it kind of did work. Um, and we were away for a week. So it didn't need to be, you know, necessarily, um, there was too many urgent things, but it, but it at least kept the bus rolling. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, the boulder, the boulder rolling down the hill, not the bus rolling. It's a bad analogy. Um, because I could at least keep, keep, keep providing input so that, so there wasn't a blocker, um, which is often the problem with, with some of these roles that, that, that I'm involved in is that you, you hold on to, you, ha you have to make a decision for someone to carry on working. Um, even though they, they are empowered, sometimes they still want you to make that decision. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a balancing act. That's for sure. Yeah. But you still had that flexibility then to decide, you know, sort of when you would work and when that would work best. But I guess, you know, depending on what industry you're working in, how senior you are, um, how strict your employer is with certain things, you might not, uh, get that all the time. Well, I'd argue we all have a choice to where we work. Um, mm. I mean, yes, you sign a contract and the contract stipulates working hours, but I think the reality is if you, if you actually followed your contract to the letter, you probably work a lot less time than you do. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, bad example is probably the, the nine to five with one hour lunch break. Um, 
you know, now that you're at home, you're not commuting, so you might start at seven and you might, because you're in, in the throes of it, you might work till seven that night because you're getting stuff done. Um, and you might skip lunch because you don't don't have the time. You know, if if you had to follow if you had to follow the contract, you probably wouldn't do as much. Whereas if you're in a, if you're treated like an adult, and you've agreed that you'll deliver something, then you did, you know your 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 clarity around what you have to deliver and, and how you do it is is up to you. That that puts you in a good position. Now, if you manage a team, unfortunately, that means you've got to be available to them when they need you, um, which which I've always been. You know, regardless of where I am or what we're doing, um, which is probably bad too. But you know, if my team sends me a message on Teams, I, I'll see the, the the indication and I'll reply to it because they're working, and I don't want to. I don't want them to be blocked because I didn't answer answer their quick question. You know, and if I can't take a call, I don't take a call. I've I've had to set boundaries up, to be honest. Um, if I'm doing bath time with the kids, then I'll say I'm doing bath time with the kids. I'll I'll talk to you in two hours, and that's what it is. Uh, but at least they know, as opposed to having to wait a whole cycle, which is the next day. Um, so very much about momentum. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Heather Bicknell is our producer and editor. Thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW Podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues.